0: Welcome to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. We conclude our series on taking risks with a conversation between Kevin Meyer, lead pastor at Wyzetta Free Church, and Allison and Garrett Berkeley, who recently moved back to Minnesota after serving as missionaries in South Africa.
1: Well, I am so excited to have Garrett and Allison Berkeley with us, and we've been doing a series of conversations on risk, and I am excited to hear about how God has worked in your life. I uh, thought of this topic of risk and, and a couple names, people came up in my mind and you guys were one of them. So I thought, well, we should probably take a moment and, and talk about that. But before we do, um, I just wanted to ask you guys um, to tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, I'll just ask questions in this conversation.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, we're excited to talk with you also. Um, so yeah, we're Garrett and Allison Berkeley and we have five children. We've been married for 10 years mm-hmm. and we just returned a month ago from uh, living in South Africa for the past three years as missionaries.
1: Okay, so when people hear you've been married for 10 years, you guys are 30, so you get married at a young age and you already have a quiver full of children, correct?
2: Uh, yeah, we, we got married on Allison's 20th birthday, so wow. I, I almost married a teenager. Wow, I, I just one day. But yeah. So and, and
1: you're you were a teenager because you're both 30. So I mean yeah, practically. Exactly. Yeah,
2: I was only 20.
1: Yeah. Myself. But yeah. yeah.
2: So we started we started early and we knew we wanted to to do that and kind of grow a family from a young age and and
0: well and and grow up together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're yeah. gonna get into this. Tell me just a little bit about what each of you are doing right now and and so people just get to know you a little bit better.
2: Yeah. So like Alison said, we're just a month removed from our kind of full-time mission status in South Africa. So we're we're back here in, in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities. We were hoping to take a little time of rest that didn't really happen, but so I've, I've kind of jumped back into uh, work doing what I was doing uh, before we left, which was uh, working in paramedicine. So I was you know, working as a paramedic on an ambulance um, out in Waconia, Minnesota, uh, just trying to uh, get back into the swing of things there
1: and, and rumor has it that you are coming on staff at a church called why is free where i actually am the lead pastor is that correct for like 20 hours in exactly. doing work there as well
2: uh the rumors are true the rumors are true yeah so then this next week also i'm really excited to be starting a part-time ministry opportunity at, at why is free um i'll just be working with kind of the connecting ministry and working with young adults so I'm I'm really excited about that.
1: Yeah, and you'll also be the liaison to our global serve, and since you had served overseas, that'll be in a great position for you to be able to speak into that as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm
1: I'm really excited. Great, we are yeah. excited <laughs> about having you too. And Allison, what have you been doing? Um, you know, only got five kids, so what do you do with all of the other time?
0: Exactly, exactly. No, um, you know. My oldest is, is just eight years old. So we have an eight-year-old, six-year-old, four-year-old, two-year-old, uh, seven-month-old. And uh, so I am busy with them uh, day after day. We're doing some homeschool. We're um, meeting up with some old friends and uh, seeing the grandparents a lot, which is such a huge blessing to see them again after being away for so long. Um, and yeah, I also, uh, when I'm not doing that, I, um, serve with a ministry called gateway, um, prayer ministry, mm-hmm. which is partnered with of free church. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is an inner healing prayer ministry that, um, people can come to when they're really struggling, um, in their relationship with the Lord or, or struggling with maybe something that something traumatic that happened in their lives. They can come and, receive prayer and um, help connect with the Lord in a more intimate way um, where he comes to bring healing, forgiveness and and things like that. So um, I helped schedule the, those appointments and uh, in the past uh, had volunteered with the ministry. So yeah. I'll start doing that again. Um, yeah.
1: Great. Well, let's get into this whole idea of risk. Risk is, is defined often as a hazardous or dangerous choice that someone takes and risk takers Um, expose themselves to the possibility of injury or loss. And so you put yourself in a vulnerable situation where you could experience hurt or pain. So in thinking about that and thinking about you guys, I thought, yeah, you put yourself in a very interesting position and you can kind of clarify some of the facts on this. Um, But I was amazed because, uh, one, you guys were at a point where you were having family. I think you had a couple kids already. Um, and Garrett, you had, I think, a pretty good job when you talk about building a career. I think they talked today about fire medics. So you were also involved in, as a fireman as well as a paramedics thing. And I, I kind of mm-hmm. go to, to give that up and to uproot your family uh, in a mission situation is a risky thing to do. And, and, and I say that because when a person says, you know, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. A lot of times we say except Africa and, and you guys, you forgot to say except Africa yeah. <laughs> and you went there. I think that's a risk giving up a career, taking families into a place that was really um, uh, a pretty uh, difficult place to be uh, their violence and some other stuff. Tell us what was going through your mind in making that choice.
2: Um well, we had wanted to uh, live in Africa uh, missionally for for a long time, for um, about eight years um, before we we moved there three years ago. So, because mm-hmm. we we actually spent a year there right after we graduated high school, and so it was just kind of a passion that was left over. We you know, we we served there for a year right after high school, and um, and we just loved it so much. We just fell in love with kind of the culture and the way of life, and. Uh, in Africa, specifically, you know, for the next seven years of marriage. After that, we we had always been talking about wanting to get back. So, so,
1: so the, here's where I say I go. This is the risk. This is the step of faith. And that is, most people when they start getting rooted. So, seven years into it, you're kind of going, "Whoa!" You're putting some roots down. You've got some places that you, you know, maybe a place that you've bought or you're living, whatever. All those things are happening. So, before we talk about that, why don't you tell us where you were in Africa? What you were doing, and and then why you uprooted, and why you did that?
2: Yeah, so we went to South Africa um, in a city called White River, which is the northeast corner of the country. So it's only a few minutes to to, uh, Swaziland, a few minutes to Mozambique, and a few minutes to uh, Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very culturally diverse area, and we were serving with. Uh, an organization called Iris Global, uh, they have bases all over the world. And so we were just going uh, initially just to serve, um, just to be hands and feet of Jesus, doing whatever they the base needed us to do, whatever the need was for the community. So that's what we did for a
1: year. Yeah. What was its primary mission that you guys were involved in?
2: Yeah. So the, the base that we were at uh, has a little bit of everything. It, the main base is, is an orphanage, mm-hmm. which uh, we call it a children's village, just to kind of avoid that, that word. And so there's a children's village, and then there's a main church in the community, in the rural community, and then there's uh, literally hundreds of small bush churches. So just like kind of small mud hut churches um, in the surrounding area. And then there's a, feed, a daily feeding program, there's a preschool, there's a Bible college, um, there's and tons of outreach ministries um, that, that we can get involved in. Really so it's pretty
1: extensive, extensive work. Let me ask Allison, were you afraid to head to Africa? I think about this with how many preschool kids did you have at the time in, in going yeah,
0: there? so I had three kids, um, five and under, and then I was 30 weeks pregnant at the time that we left. Okay. So is
1: that like um, seven months pregnant?
0: Yeah. Yep. Seven months. Yeah. yeah. So what you know, were you thinking? God is so good that yeah. when he, when he asks you to do something, mm-hmm. oftentimes he gives you that desire to go and mm-hmm. to, to be there. And so that, that was already a desire that was on my heart. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I would say, you know, a lot of people were really surprised at the timing of when we felt like the Lord was calling us to go. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, I thought it would be disobedient for me to stay, it would be disobedient for me to stay here. And um, it's funny now, because when I look and I see a mom with three little ones and a, you know, big pregnant belly, I think, Oh, my gosh, like, she has got her hands full. And, and of course, now looking back, I'm like, I did that, (laughs) going to a new country, you know, with my family. And, And of course, it didn't seem crazy at the time, because, you know, when God puts it on your heart, it's like you have you you just have to do it. It's it's that, you know, that longing, that desire. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you asked, um, you know, were you worried about going? And um, years previous, I definitely was. And Mm -hmm. I I didn't want to go with my little kids. Mm -hmm. I had had several miscarriages throughout the pregnancies of our five kids. I've, I've had three miscarriages, so eight pregnancies total. Mm-hmm. And um, that became a huge fear in my life was this, was this fear of, of miscarrying, this fear of death of a child. Yeah. Um, and so actually through the Gateway Prayer Ministry um, was able to be healed of this, this fear of mm-hmm. death of my children. And um realizing that their lives are are his I, yeah. I can't really do anything to preserve my child's life even when it's in my own body yeah. And so um, it became something where when I would um, when I would find out that I was pregnant, I would just get on my knees and say, God, this child is yours. I give mm-hmm. this I give this child back to you. I can't carry the weight and the burden of of wondering what might happen or, or what I can and cannot do to protect this kid. Um, but, but giving it back to God and saying like, Lord, you know, what's best for this kid, you know, what's best for my child's life and you are the perfect father. Yeah. So, so whatever happens to my kid is, is in your hands, Lord. So and, um,
1: I, that's really helpful. And, and that, you know, in that sense of, okay, God called you, you actually place your family in his hands in that sense. I mean, a lot of women at seven months pregnant would be going, I'm not going to leave my doctor. God must have provided for you when you're going there in the sense of having the medical help that you needed for having that child.
0: Um, absolutely. And I would say um, taking that step of faith to, to go overseas to a place I'd never been to do- deliver a child, you know, just after six weeks of arriving, you know, that it took a a leap of faith to do that. But the way he provided for us there, I mean, I would say that was like our best delivery experience. (laughs) Um, And Mm. not only was it, was it a great um, experience to deliver a child there, but it also opened up so many doors for us Mm. in ministry, because people were like, what? You're comfortable here? You're you're going to have your baby here? You're going to yeah. grow your family here? They had all asked me, you know, aren't you going to go back to America to have your baby? And I said, no, you know, this is our home. This is where we're going to have our baby. And they felt so honored um, that even before I gave birth, they were calling that baby theirs. How's my baby? How, you know, you know, how's my baby today? And And yeah. then, Once, once uh, my children were born there, they just take the baby out of your hands. Oh, my baby, my baby. So I think they really um, very quickly learned to trust and and love us and embrace us as a family just because, because of that door that was opened. It was, it was our our
2: first act of ministry of ministering to the community was was birth there.
1: So what's really interesting is what you could have said, okay, God, wait till I give the baby or something like that. It was and again, God needs to call, and you need to sense that God's call put you in a position where the baby not only well taken care of, but he had all kinds of aunts, uncles, and people loving that baby, as well as opening the door for you to have ministry. So your actual risk and vulnerability—that vulnerability—is what let them, in many ways, into your heart. So let's, let's ask you here, Garrett. You were kind of this, uh, kind of what they, I think is uh, idea, of fire medic. This idea that you were doing this here. Why? Why? What was it about saying, okay, I'm going to give this up, and I'm going to, because um, you had a good position and a good, you know, good job. So, what was that about?
2: Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was it was years and years to, of training and and um, kind of stepstone jobs to to get into the position that I was at. But you know, it just it really just comes down to obedience, and we felt so strong, strongly of the call, at that specific time. Um, we just we we're both hearing from the lord to just go at that same time we were in a little bit of a transition um with housing and and a, and a couple of different things and we just we were just praying about it and we just really both felt unified in this in this uh this call so and,
1: obedience is a, a main factor in it but it doesn't take away necessarily always the fear or the risk that's involved because yeah. that's the faith aspect of it right absolutely yeah so when you were thinking of going, what were some of the biggest sacrifices you were thought you were going to have to make and 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 what were some of the greatest risks maybe you before going? And did they pan out to be as big a sacrifice as you thought? Well, the other
2: thing is that I I actually felt the first thing that gave me a lot of peace and really like a confirmation of the call to go was I I remember once we decided we were gonna go and we we knew that we were gonna need help with funding. I bought this book that was uh, by a missionary, um, an ex-missionary, I think. and, And he wrote this book on just helping people with fundraising. And I opened it up and I, before I did, I just asked God to just kind of speak to me through this. And I don't remember what the name of the book is, but I opened it up and literally the first page, this guy says 30 years ago, before we left for missions, me and my wife, we just felt really called to go, but we had such a sense of urgency and so my wife, my pregnant wife, and our three kids, we we left right away. Oh, you're like, kidding. literally literally our exact situation. He said, three kids and pregnant wife. We got up and left as soon as we could because oh, of the wow, urgency wow. that we felt. But the but yeah, I don't know the the risk. You know, it's just it's losing that um, that status and kind of that that equity that you have in, in climbing the ladder. Um, obviously, financial stability, um, things like that. are a big are the risk, Um, you know, judgment from from family. I mean, there was even Christians that were in our life, honestly, that that had a hard time with us making that decision to to get up and leave, you know,
1: Well, it threatens people, I think, in some ways to go, because you're doing something um, that I think a lot of people might think about, maybe they should do, but it's just it costs too much.
2: Yeah. So yeah, it cost relationships. and yeah. um, and then obviously the the biggest thing that was on our minds before we left and the whole time we were gone was just having to leave family, especially yeah. grandparents. That was you know and that's um, that was the the real emotional one was having to to leave our our best support system because we're just so close uh, with all four of our parents. so
1: yeah, so yeah. was that true for you, Allison? Would you kind of say those were probably the the big sacrifices?
0: Yeah, those are definitely um, kind of the the risks that we took in making that decision. But, um, you know, as we were kind of walking this out, um, you know, like we've said, we felt that call to missions kind of as we were getting married Mm -hmm. and we, we were just kind of waiting, waiting for the call to go. And through that time, there was something that God continued to remind us, which was, um, which was to always have your bags packed. And that wasn't in a, in a literal sense, but in a, in a mindset of never be too settled that you're unwilling to go when he calls. Okay. And so that was something always on our mind. And you know, the, the verse that comes to mind is Matthew 19 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And so, you know, it's like when God calls you to do something um, he doesn't abandon you, you know? And, and so with, with all the risks, um, I think honestly the, the true weight was actually um, we didn't want to come to a place where we were being disobedient to God And even towards the end of living in Minnesota, before we went to South Africa, we started to like, I especially started to feel like, you know, I'm almost being disobedient Hmm. if I stay here. Like every, every hour
2: that we're here just feels like wrong, just feels.
0: And, you know, being pregnant, I had many people saying, well, why not just wait till after you have the baby, just have the baby here and then go. And and I just kept saying, like, I have to go. God has called me to go now. I have to go. And that, it might look crazy, but but to me, that is that is obedience, is, is following God, even when it looks, you know, weird to someone else. Yeah. Um,
1: well, you know, I think one of the things that people don't realize also when you're actually taking uh, steps of obedience that involve a sense of risk and potential loss is, just like you said, Garrett, you know, God has ways of confirming and affirming you and saying, yeah, this is what this is what I want for you. Like by opening a book on fundraising and reading something like that, you know, someone could say that's coincidence. And but yet when you're walking with God and you're paying attention to his spirit, those um, those have such a uh, a resonance in a, in, in a person's heart that you go, no, yeah. you can say all you want. I know God was speaking to my heart in that. Absolutely. Um, you know, And so you have those times where God kind of comes along and he he says, yes, he kind of puts his hand on your shoulder and says, yeah, you're going, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. A lot of times when people read that verse and they think about the, you know, uh, you're going to forsake brothers, uh, mothers, sisters, etc. And and you'll get more in eternal life. A lot of people think about um, life to come someday with God, which is an aspect of truth to that. But there's also... When, when when Jesus uses the word eternal life and he talks about giving up things, he's not always talking about the the life hereafter. Often he's talking about the very things that you'll miss by holding on to some of those things that are in the life that you're ex- going to experience as you obey and follow. So you were there, you obeyed, you began to follow. Um, how did God um, share um, some of those benefits, some of those great gifts with you Um that you're not waiting for someday, like some crown, you know, with some jewel that says Africa on it. You're you actually experienced God's goodness there. What were some of those things?
2: I guess you can approach that in different ways, but I mean, mm-hmm. even when it when you relate it to the risks that we were that we were that we had in leaving, um, you know, God really just surrounded us with, with kind of temporary, I guess you could say spiritual family while we mm-hmm. were there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, even just the culture, like like many almost all of African and South American and, and Middle Eastern culture is, is very family oriented, um, even with strangers. So um, it, that kind of helped ease a lot of that, that pain in some mm-hmm. ways of, mm-hmm. you know, everyone is mama and papa and, you know, so you, we were really welcomed into a family and even some of the other missionaries that we were working with who were, um, who were a couple a few years of our senior, you know, so they were, sure. Yeah. kind of our parents' age so they're like thirty five forty yeah something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh there was several several really awesome other missionaries um in in their senior years that were really just you know parents to us and grandparents to our kids while we were there that was that meant a lot to us. We really yeah. felt like that was a gift from God
1: so I also um I remember sharing talking with you at one point in I think there had to be great reward because you took, um, as you said, children who are basically orphaned and, and had a kind of pray and ask God, how, what do we do with these orphaned children share a little bit about, I think that is an interesting thing, how God worked there.
2: Yeah. um,
1: We were just, uh, I hear kids in the background yelling.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They're looking for us. We're hiding in Yeah. So yeah, when we, especially when we kind of took over in some leadership um, on the base and in the orphanage, um, we were realizing that there's actually a lot of opportunities for many of the kids to be reunited with family that they knew was out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of them, a lot of the kids were um, just in uh, vulnerable uh, situations and that's why they ended up you know, at the base with us, there was actually very few of the kids that were that were kind of truly orphaned that really Mm -hmm. didn't have any family, especially parents to go to. Mm -hmm. So um, and we just felt strongly like, you know, the the best the best orphanage is an an empty orphanage. So Mm -hmm. we um, we worked hard in our time to to try to reunify the kids that had uh, stable family out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we actually had to go out and literally find them in the community because um, you know, the, the records and the communication is information is not there. So you literally have to just, it's go into the neighborhood where the kid came from and ask around and say, where's this person? And, you know, oh, I think they work over at this farm. And then you go to the farm and you're walking through the dirt and <laughs> sure. just asking people what their name is. So um, it's stuff like that. So um and then after the first year that we were uh, managing the children's village we were able to reunify uh, about 25% of the kids wow into stable stable
1: houses back into stable houses yeah. that's yeah. really wonderful what other re- would you say rewards or benefits when you say and Jesus says when you do give up something there's often you get other things that replace it that are even sometimes m- more uh, fulfilling than, than like giving up money or status or something such as that.
0: You know, with bringing our, our small kids, I was worried about, um, that being too, too big of a change for them. Mm -hmm. And I just had these, uh, these thoughts in my head of, are they just going to be crying day after day and going, Oh, I want to go back to Minnesota and I hate it here. And, you know, just, I had these, these fears that my kids were just really not going to like it. And, um, when we arrived or kind of before we arrived, I had started to tell our oldest, you know, we're going to go help take care of kids who have no mommies and daddies. Mm-hmm. And that just like blew her mind because she just couldn't understand. Uh, she couldn't, she had never thought before of what happened if you didn't have a mom or a dad.
1: Yeah.
0: So when we arrived, it was so cool to see how quickly our kids um started to love on on the kids at the children's village and um you know not only just being a good friend a good buddy but also just like truly embracing them when they cry mm-hmm. and um and understanding that if they're having a bad day that uh that they can pray for them and um and just give them a hug and say i love you and i'm here for you and um you know there's there's a specific memory i have right now of of my uh, uh, five-year-old son when um, when we had just learned of one of the children who was at our children's village. We, had wor- we were working with uh, a social worker on getting him reunited with um, his, birth mo- his birth mother. And we had just learned that she had died in a house fire. Mm. And um, he was sharing that with the rest of the kids that his mom had just died. And Jameson just ran up to him, our five-year-old just ran up to him and just grabbed onto him and held him so tight, Mm -hmm. just tears down his face. And I just remember thinking like, you know, being, being in a children's village all the time can be really overwhelming, but for a little kid, like they, their, their reaction is to love Mm -hmm. and, um, and they really truly have such a heart for these kids. And so they were just as much um, missionaries as we were. And and God had plans and purposes for their lives being there, just like he did us. And, you know, he called Garrett and I to South Africa, but he called our kids also. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those risks or that risk of taking my kids wondering, is this going to be a huge mistake? turned out to be a huge reward of going wow like god is really using my kids to love on these orphan kids but also to build character in them um to love uh to love those that you know need help need family
1: well i just think what an incredible reward that is at their young age to have been formed in their little hearts in ways that will be with them forever I mean, what an incredible gift that will be. And it will be neat to see how God develops that through the year. So I can see what a, what a tremendous gift given to you in the midst of, you know, removing kids from what we would say, boy, you know, the U S education, all these other things, you know, really do you want to do that in their first few years? And, and, and yet, as you said, God really used it in some powerful ways. Mm -hmm. Any other things that you point to that you say, boy, you know, when you look at the risk versus the reward, and not the reward again in heaven, but the reward you experienced in that process. Any any other things stand out? For the community. Okay. You know, I
2: really feel like um during our time there, just God gave us great, great insight onto, onto how to to get this this community more self-sustaining. And that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that we were able to do while we were there. So setting up local leadership, um, we really feel like that was that that might not have happened had we not answered this call. So we were, I think that's one huge benefit. So it's not community.
1: dependent on Americans or someone else coming back in, but you had opportunity. And I think in a short period of time to be able to do that is a, is a huge thing to be able to help a community itself develop yeah. leaders to, to lead it and, and sustain it. And and really um, I don't
2: know if you could, you could say this as kind of a confirmation because we, um, we really had a strong call to do that. Um, It wasn't really on other people's radar as much at the time Mm -hmm. that we were working with, but we just really felt the strong need to get local leaders in in place. And we just kept saying like, um, you know, this really needs to be, we we need to get to a place where if, if for for whatever reason, missionaries can't be here, that this place can still thrive.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it, you know, it didn't, that doesn't really make sense. Uh, A year ago from now, uh, but then all of a sudden COVID hits and now uh, visas are being denied. Um, we were starting to lose, you know, our team, you know, one by one, they're having to leave and they're not going to get, they're not going to be allowed back. Right. And the team is dwindling and, and essentially now they're down to only, you know, one or two missionaries there and they're not going to be able to be there much longer. Yeah. So it's really actually coming to fruition of what, you know, I guess what our fear was, um, you know, so so I, I really think that was God speaking to us and kind of planning and and making a way.
1: That's really cool. What a great story about how God leads us, even sometimes when we have no idea what He's leading us into or what He's leading us to do that has such impact that we, you know, who would have known COVID was coming? As we yeah. kind of wrap this up, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Like someone's listening to this and they're thinking about their own life, what what would you? Say to them what advice might you give if they're thinking about risk and they're thinking about a step of faith and 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 it may I'm not talking about going to Africa I'm just even it may be the step of faith of of sharing their faith with someone talk about what you learned what to pay attention to to be careful of and
2: it kind of goes back to what we were saying from kind of the way we were feeling with our with our call but kind of I guess I so, I don't know if you could say a warning but of uh, just being careful not to, to be in a place where you're questioning God's voice or what you think God is telling you for such a long period of time where it becomes disobedient.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, I, I've, you know, I, I grew up a Christian and and I've, I've had a lot of talks with people in the past about what they feel like God's telling them. And I've known people that have have kind of wrestled with or, or tried to think of whether or not it was actually God's voice for months or even years sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, and and yeah, that's kind of my, my call to action for people is, you know, God, God does speak to you in many different ways and um, don't, don't ignore it or put it off or sit there questioning for so long where you're actually getting to a status where you're disobedient.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I would say in that kind of thing, especially if it's something that you're being called to do that is good or, um, you know, you almost have to say, if it isn't a bad thing, then then step out into it and see if God's leading you at least start taking maybe the first step or so towards that. Other other things that you might say around, you know, helping someone going, OK, I'm I'm feeling like God's nudging me, prompting me. And I would sense it's God's voice. Any other bits of advice?
0: You know, ours ours was a little bit simpler in that what we felt like God was calling us to do is a is a biblical mandate, you know, mm-hmm. to to feed the hungry um, and take care of the, the widows and the orphans. And, um, and so that was a pretty easy one for us as far as knowing if you're hearing God's voice, is it biblical? Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: um, and then not only that, but, you know, we had decided years ago um, not to make decisions off of money, off of, off of income. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we felt like when God was calling us to do this one of one of my fears was um like you know how is this going to look to other people hearing from the lord saying to me um you know everyone is called to different things mm-hmm. and so if you're if you're called to be a billionaire using your funds for the kingdom then that's your calling mm-hmm. and you have to be obedient to doing that if you're if you're called to be a stay-at-home mom you know mm-hmm. Being obedient to doing that, if you're, you know, all of these different things, you can't compare your calling to someone else's. Mm-hmm. And so realizing, okay, maybe this is what God has called us to do. Stepping out in faith and knowing, like, I have to be obedient to what He called me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, not comparing my calling to someone else's. Yeah. And um, and so hopefully that would encourage someone who, you know, whatever it is that they're feeling God calling them to do, knowing um, that this is, that this is personal from, from the Lord calling them. Um, it might not be what they've called someone else to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that the approach that we've had, you know, you've, you've mentioned just kind of going into a dangerous place Mm and the risk and all that stuff. But the whole time we've just really had the mindset of the most dangerous place you can be in is, is, a place where God hasn't called
0: you. Mm-hmm.
2: So even, I mean, you know, we had to re. this was kind of what we said a lot to reassure people that were, you know, literally yeah. afraid for us is that, you know, yeah. You, I mean, we can think that America is the safest place and everything like that, but you know, it's going to be more dangerous for us to be here. If God has not called us to yeah, be here at this
1: yeah. time, it's kind of like really take peace with that. Yeah, yeah, it's like Jonah, who was called to Nineveh yeah, and supposed exactly. to go there, and he was really afraid to go in there because that was, uh, you know, that was the world power, and they were, uh, they didn't Seriously? like being talked in any way that they're going to be judged by God that was not something that he wanted to do so he goes the exact opposite and goes out of his house instead of turning right towards Nineveh he goes left he gets a boat on the ocean thinking he's going to go across the Mediterranean sit on some nice white sandy shores and he ends up being in the, the mouth of a whale and yes you're right um the most safe place always no matter how dangerous around you is to be in the will of God Mm -hmm. And follow that. So, you know, you guys, it's been really fun talking to you. It's great um, hearing. I know we just barely touched the surface of many things that God had done and many things that God is teaching you, but um, hopefully just even getting as deep as we did uh, is something that will be encouraging to others as they think through, what does it mean for me to take a a risk, uh, to step out in faith, to follow a prompting of Jesus and to to have an open hand like you did, to kind of be ready at any time to move when God moves. So, thanks for sharing yeah. that. Anything else you want to say?
2: So, just another kind of uh, just a, a testimony again of just being uh, kind of in in the will of God. And, and we were hosting a team, and I'm just I'm just saying this just to encourage people, um, yeah. not to really scare people. But we were hosting a team. Um, they were with us for a couple of weeks. They were staying in our community and um i got a call at two in the morning saying uh like from this team saying come up here we've just been uh robbed we just had people come in to our house with a gun and that's all the information that i got
1: now you're and in a so gated I, community right the,
2: the children's village had a had a fence around it but yeah, still okay. very susceptible to to a lot of things so sure uh, so i went up to this this team that was there i found them all just kind of sitting in in the hallway and um and they're telling me that a bunch of guys came into their house. They broke the, the doors down and uh, they all had guns with them. And they they were tearing them out of, out of their beds and asking them, you know, where's all your electronics? Where's your, you know, your valuables? And they were giving them to them, and stuff like that. And, and there was actually a couple on this team. They were married and they were also pregnant while they were doing this missions mm-hmm. trip. And they were in bed together. And the wife was, I think, six or seven months pregnant as well and uh they take this husband out of his bed and he's just not uh complying nearly as as much they take him onto the hallway and they say i'm going to shoot you and they they throw him down on the ground and he's on his hands and knees And they put the gun up to his head pulled the trigger and the and the gun didn't work it jammed Mm -hmm. and they said oh what and so they they actually put the the gun up to the ceiling pull the trigger and it shoots bullet through the through the ceiling. then they point the gun back down to his head, pull the trigger doesn't work. put the, the gun back up to the ceiling again shoot through the ceiling and they were discouraged they didn't know what was going on and and then they just left after that so it's just a, it's, it's just a testimony just to show you the the power of God that that he really is truly working today and that um, stepping out in faith taking risks God is going to protect us. Um, it's you know life is not easy. That's not a promise, um, but that's that's also the challenge of uh, if you don't if there's someone listening that doesn't believe or think that God can save you or will save you, one of the questions that you have to ask is Have you ever been in a situation yourself where you actually needed saving? Yeah. So that's that's an encouragement for for the listeners. So. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you, guys. God Thank bless. So yep. Take care, of you guys. Me.
0: You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations Podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.